Good morning. It is so good to be with you today, and we are so delighted that we are able to be together to praise the Lord, to sing about our King, our Savior, the Redeemer of our soul. What a blessed morning it has already been. And I will encourage you, please, if you will, go ahead and open your New Testaments of your Bible to Titus chapter 2. And in a bit, we'll be reading some verses from Titus chapter 2. God's grace abounds. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, grace reigns. It reigns through righteousness unto eternal life. Grace saves. Grace justifies. Grace instructs. It teaches. And so, yes, truly, God's grace is amazing grace. Christians who are called to be imitators of God and called to be imitators of Jesus Christ are to be a people of grace. That is, we who are children of God through Jesus Christ are to have a character about ourselves that is rooted in grace. For example... We are to love how? We are to love just as Jesus loves. We are to forgive how? Just as God has forgiven us. And so therefore, we ought to be a gracious people. And we need to be gracious just as God has been gracious toward us. And so extending greater grace toward your brethren toward your family, toward your friends in the community is simply another way in which we all can and we all should be maturing more in the year 2021. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter, as he's bringing that epistle to a close, says, Grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we need to be growing in grace. We need to be growing in God's grace, but also we need to be expanding our grace toward those around us. When we take the time to ponder, to meditate, to think about the grace of God, Surely we are mindful of the fact that we as Christians are recipients, we are beneficiaries of the amazing grace of God. Goodness, righteousness do not originate, do not emanate from men. Neither do they originate and emanate from ourselves as well. No, every good thing, Every perfect gift comes from whom? It comes from God. It comes from our Father above. As James writes in 117, it says, In whom there is no darkness, in whom there is no evil at all found in Him. Goodness and righteousness originates with our Father. Not with ourselves, not with our world. As we've already read in Matthew chapter 5, it is He who causes the sun to shine. It is He who causes the rain to come. Upon whom? 
upon everybody. God's grace is definitely manifested in life itself. But the pinnacle of that grace, the culmination and the magnitude of that grace is surely seen perfectly in when He sent Jesus Christ. That the pinnacle of our Father's grace is all the spiritual blessings of His Son, Jesus. Emmanuel, Lamb of God. God's gifts or God's blessings, as we all know, are unmerited. They are unearned. They are granted to undeserving souls like us. That we are blessed to be recipients and beneficiaries of God's grace. And there's a number of ways that is manifested. For example, His grace has made available to us salvation. But not just to us, but it has been made available to all men. And so, for example, if you will, turn your eyes to Titus 2. We're going to read just a few verses here, beginning in verse 11. But in Titus 2, beginning in verse 11, it reads, For the grace of God has appeared. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Salvation to all men. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worthy desires and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people a people for His own possession, zealous for good deeds. These verses are filled with telling us about what grace you have received. And yes, grace has made salvation available to all men. And other passages such as Romans 5 talk about how grace has abounded where sin increased. Grace has abounded where sin increased. Or Hebrews 2.9, which says, speaking of Jesus, how He tasted death for everyone. That is grace. Grace tasted of death. How? When He died for sinners. When Emmanuel, when the Lamb of God laid down His life for sinners. That was God's grace being shown to us. Ephesians 2 tells us that it is through grace by faith or by grace through faith that we are saved. So grace saves, but it also redeems and purifies as we read there in chapter 2 of Titus. It teaches us how to live. Without God's grace, you wouldn't know how to live. You You would not know how to direct your own steps to heaven. No, it is God's grace that teaches us to be sensible and righteous and godly. Or as illustrated in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, when Paul speaks of that physical infirmity that he begged God to take away, and God said no. Because he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul accepted that. He accepted the fact that God wasn't going to take away that thorn, but grace 
was going to strengthen him. Grace was going to sustain him even in his weakness. The Apostle John writes in 2 John verse 3, he says, Keep them in your grace. Grace sustains us every day of our life. So yes, Christians, God's children, are recipients of the amazing grace of God. In so many facets, and this is just some of them. But the point of my lesson today is not so much to emphasize what God has done and what we have received, but rather what should we be doing with that grace that we have received. And we need to be sharing it. We need to share that abundant grace that you and I constantly receive from above every day. And first of all, we can begin by doing what? We can tell others about God's grace in our life. Can you do that? Yes, you can. You can tell God the grace that you have received from Him. Now, you may not be eloquent in the Scriptures, and you may not be able to remember every book, chapter, and verse to give a defense of the faith that is in you. But can you tell someone about the grace of God that has been shown in your life? Yes, you can do that. And so in 2021, you need to be expanding your grace to others. If you recall the story, or the account, we should say, when Jesus healed that man... Of the many legion, many demons named legion. Do you remember what Jesus told them after the fact? After he was all healed, and the man wanted to go with he wanted to go with Jesus, and and he said, "No, you can't come with me, but you can do something. You can do something for me." And in Luke chapter eight thirty nine, it talks about. He says, "I want you to go, and I want you to describe what great." things God has done for you. He could do that. He could leave that place and he can go and tell everybody what Jesus did for him. And we can do the same. We can tell people of the great and amazing grace of God in our life. For example... Your sins, your sins were washed away when you were buried with Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of those sins. So in Acts 2.38, when the apostles are commanding, go and they're preaching the gospel, he says, and repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian... If you've been buried with Christ in baptism as He commanded, then your sins are washed away. Can you tell somebody about the grace that was shown you in baptism? That with obedience, your faith in Jesus Christ, in Emmanuel, your faith in God's promises assures you peace. You have peace because you know you obeyed the Lord. Can you tell somebody that? Can you tell somebody, for example, over in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, that now you have an advocate. You're not alone. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he said, My little children, I'm writing 
these things to you so that you may not sin. Sin needs to be gotten out of our life. Easier said than done. And the Apostle John says, I am writing by the Spirit. He is writing so that we will not sin. But then the very next breath, he pens these words. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Do you need an advocate? Yes, you do. Do I need an advocate? Yes, I do. We all need an advocate in our life. And as Christians, we have Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's grace. Can you tell somebody about God's grace in your life? How wonderful and amazing it is to have Jesus as your advocate every day of your life. That you're not alone because you always have Jesus with you. Or talked about over in Colossians 3.16 where it talks about letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Grace has enriched your life, has enriched my life with the word of Christ. Words of life. Words of light. We are enriched with the word of Jesus Christ. A word that lights our path. We're not in the dark anymore. You know, we're not lost. We have a light that's showing us the path. That's grace. Can you tell people about that? Yes, you can tell people. How you have God's Word helping you every day. And that also you are receiving more grace as you live life. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean all the troubles, all the trials, all the hardships just vanish away. No, sometimes they increase because we're Christians. But as a result of that, we are receiving more grace, like Paul, because we're learning to trust and we're learning to rely more on the Lord and realize, yes, God, your grace is sufficient in my time of weakness. It's you who I need. And it's you who will sustain me. See, as Christians, we have an abundant grace. And we can tell people about all different facets of God's grace in our personal life. But that's not all. When you talk about expanding your grace, yes, we need to tell others about the, God's grace in our life. But also, we need to be gracious in forgiving others, especially those who have wronged us personally in some way. Our sins, our sins are transgressions, and they are particularly transgressions against God. When we sin, foremost of all, it is against God. That doesn't mean other people are not affected by our sins. It doesn't mean that other people aren't hurt by our sins. But first, first and foremost, when we sin, we have sinned against God, our Creator, our Father, our Redeemer. And you think about the wording of King David in Psalm 51. He understood where his sin hurt the most and who it grieved the most. When he says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He's talking about Jehovah here. 
And so when we sin, we sin against God, first and foremost of all. And you think about that, therefore forgiveness then is a priceless gift. You can put no price on that. It is a priceless gift, forgiveness from God. So let me throw out this thought question. How much or how many times has God forgiven you and forgiven me? How how many times has God forgiven you to this day? Have you kept count? Or is it too many? Or is it too many times that he has forgiven us? And so be gracious in forgiving others. God expects us to forgive. You go back to the Sermon on the Mount there, and you look in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, where after the model prayer of teaching disciples of how to pray, in Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, the Lord Himself says this to all of us, If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, but, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Be gracious. Be gracious to forgive others. This subject of forgiveness is is discussed quite often in the Gospels. And perhaps, you know, one of the better known moments when Jesus is addressing the importance and the value and the seriousness of this is found in Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus uses a parable to teach about a compassionate king and a very unforgiving servant. It is in 21, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how, many, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? That was Peter's question. And so Jesus then turns and responds to Peter. He says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And then he begins to explain what he means by that. When he says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to, to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. Now listen. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Wiped it clean, totally. And as you continue reading this parable, you know it well when it starts talking about how that forgiven 
slave, that forgiven servant, then turns around and starts demanding from a fellow slave, a fellow servant, payment for what he owed him. And that servant also asked, you know, time to repay, but the forgiven servant will not forgive his comrade. And so Jesus teaching us here about the importance and the value of forgiveness. And the point is, we are not to be keeping record. We are not to be keeping record of how many times we have forgiven somebody. Whether it's our spouse, whether it's our kids, whether it's our brother or sister in Christ. We are not to be keeping record. But rather we are to be filled with the grace that is from above... So that when we need to forgive, how do we forgive? We forgive from our heart. In verse 35, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Talking about the forgiven slave who would not forgive and the king revoked that forgiveness. He says, you need to be forgiving your brother from your heart. Be gracious. Expand your grace in 2021. But also, we need to be graciously kind. Graciously kind. In Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verse 7, it's speaking of the great scheme of redemption that is centered and founded upon Jesus Christ. And in that passage, when it talks about grace, one of the things it says, it says, God has shown the richness of His grace. And so you think of the wealth, the magnitude of God's grace. And He says, He has shown the wealth of that grace through His kindness toward us in Christ. God has been kind to you and me. God has been kind to you and me. And that kindness is a manifestation of the richness of grace. So we should not be surprised then, for example, you turn to the fourth chapter of Ephesians. And as Paul continues to write to the saints, to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, and to us still today, because it is the living word of God, that in verse 32, he says, be kind to one another. It is in Ephesians 2 that we're told that the, the richness of God's grace has been shown to us through the kindness to us through Christ. And now he says, okay, now be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God has also forgiven you. This is just one more aspect of us imitating our Heavenly Father. We are to be imitators. Children are to be imitators of their Father. And we are children of the Heavenly Father. And we are to imitate God's kindnesses in our life. Do you appreciate when a person shows you kindness? Well, it's obvious. Well, yes, we do. We all do. We appreciate when someone shows us some kind of kindness. And so what should we be doing? Well, we should be treating other people with kindness just as you want them to treat you. 
We should be treating people kindly just the way we want to be treated kindly. Not just reciprocating kindness. Well, that's a nice thing to do, yes. But that's not the only time that we need to be kind. It's only when, okay, someone's been kind to me, I'm going to be kind back. Well, no, that's not the point. We're to be kind and gracefully kind even when there is no reciprocation. So don't wait to receive kindness. Be an an initiator of kindness. That's what grace does. In Galatians 5, we clearly see kindness is one of those very important, essential components of the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we neglect to practice kindness, when we neglect or fail to practice kindness in the way that God calls us to do, then we are neglecting to live by the Spirit. We are neglecting to walk by the Spirit. We are neglecting to be led by the Spirit if we are failing to be graciously kind in our lives day by day. Expand your grace in 2021. Words. Words are powerful things. And so we need to always direct our words with grace. In Acts 20, verse 32, it's in the context when Paul is meeting with the elders of Ephesus and giving him their, he's giving them his kind of farewell exhortation. And and one of the things he says there, he commends them to God's word of grace. The gospel of Christ is the word of God's grace. And he goes on to say, and what does that word of grace do for us as Christians? Well, it builds us up as Christians, as children of God. And it also, it gives us our promised inheritance. So we, we have received the word of grace or God's words are gracious words. And so our words, our words likewise need to be with grace. Words are integral components, integral parts of our character, of our conduct. In chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, writing to, still writing to Christians, but to another church in the city of Colossae, verse 5, verse 6, it reads, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always, let your speech always be with grace. As with Season, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. God wants us to be a people whose words are gracious. Because we receive the word of God's grace. So we need to think before we speak. That's wisdom at work. And we need to consider how our words are going to impact other people every time our words are going to impact other people. And so he says, so season them. Season your words so that they are more palatable. That that is, so it, it, it is easier and better to swallow and digest, is what he's saying. You know, make sure you're speaking a way that when the, the person hears you, they can receive it better. 
Paul basically says the same thing a little differently back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, when talking about our words. He begins by saying in verse 29 of Ephesians 4, Let no unwholesome, let no unwholesome word, you know, you know, some may actually use the word putrid, rotten. That's really the, the kind of meaning of what he's saying here. You know, don't, don't let bad words, but it's more than just bad words, it's rotten words. And he says, don't let no that kind of word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good. Good for edification, good for building up according to the need of the, of the moment so that it will give, what? It will give grace to those who hear. And so, yes, put away all the bad stuff, the unwholesome, the rotten stu- uh, words, and use good words. Words that are going to edify, they're going to build up. Words that are going to be grace to the hearer. And you think about that, and, then, and so you think, you know, true words, right words do not give us liberty to be ungracious in the delivery. Just because it's a fact, and just because it's true, and just because it's right, doesn't mean I, I am allowed to be ungracious in my delivery. No. Always, always direct your words with grace. Season them. Use wisdom in that. But then finally, one more application. And that is minister grace to the needs of others. Through the grace of God, you and I have been granted the blessing, the privilege, to become members together in the one body of Jesus Christ. To become children of the family of God, adopted through Jesus Christ. And what a blessing that truly is. That, that we have allowed to, to become part of something amazing. Something that's so much bigger than ourselves. And that his, his will, a will of grace, has enabled us to become transformed as well. His grace is changing us. His grace is turning us into better people. So that we may become living sacrifices and holy sacrifices to God. As talked about in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. And it is according to that same grace that's given to each Christian that we're told that the various gifts and the various abilities are to be used. We're to take these gracious gifts and they're to be used to minister grace to others as well. In Romans chapter 12, reading verse 6 through 8, that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, and he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so he says, according to the various gifts that have come to us through grace, they're to be used. They're to be used properly. And I want you just to note, as we kind of bring this lesson to a close, I want you to note some practical ways in this context of Romans chapter 12. Some practical ways you do that 
That is, you share grace with others. In Romans 12, verse 9, you do so by loving without hypocrisy. With your abilities and with your resources, with the blessings that you receive, each one of us are accordingly to be loving without hypocrisy. Or in Romans 12, verse 12, we are to be devoted in prayer. That's one way we can minister grace. I need to love and I need to pray. Pray diligently. Pray without ceasing. And I I can minister to people that way. Prayer is not a vain conversation. When it's done by men and women of faith... Fervently, effectively in faith. Or as brought out in verse 13, we can contribute to the needs of the saints or we can practice hospitality. Just a number of different ways that we minister grace to the needs of others. And so, yes, in the year 2021, there's a lot of different ways that we need to be growing. We need to be maturing as individuals and as a congregation. But today I want you to think about the idea how you need to expand your grace this year. You need to increase it. You need to grow that grace. You are recipients. You are beneficiaries of God's marvelously wonderful grace. How true that is. We don't deserve it, but yet we receive it. So grow in that. Grow in His grace and expand your grace to your own family. Show greater grace to your spouse and to your kids and to your parents. Show greater grace to your brethren. Your brother, your sister in Christ. Show greater grace to your friends in the community. Expand your grace because you have been so blessed to be a recipient Of the amazing grace of God. It is divine grace. It is divine grace that has actually made it possible for us to be saved today. And at this moment, we want to offer not our invitation, but we want to extend the Lord's invitation. Divine grace is extending the invitation of the Son of God to all of us so that we can be saved, so that we can find rest for our souls, so that we can have a peace that surpasses understanding. That's grace that is being offered to you. But what will you do with that? It's there. It's there for the grasping It's accessible, it's available, but what will you do for the grace that's being extended to you? Will you obey Jesus Christ today? Will you, by faith, confess that you believe He is the Son of God with your mouth unashamedly before others? And with that confession of faith, repent of your sins and be buried with Him in baptism Because God has promised you that He will wash away your sins when you submit to His Son, Jesus Christ. Will you do that? That's grace is extending you a gift. 
what are you going to do with it? If you are a Christian, and maybe there is some sin in your life that you need to, cor- that you need to correct. If there is sin in your life, yes, you need to correct that. You need to repent of that. You need to turn from that. You need to submit yourself before the throne of grace and mercy and ask your Father to forgive you. And He will if you come to Him. And if we can assist you with that and being reconciled and restored to your Father and to your Savior, if we can assist you in that in praying with you or praying for you, Whatever your spiritual need may be, we invite you, encourage you, make your wishes known, and we stand and sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>